I'm Alex Melia, and this is Our Voices on Racism in the UK, the podcast that provides a platform for real people to share their untold stories. In this series, hear about the devastating long-term effects of racism in the UK. Some of these personal stories may be hard to hear, but it's absolutely vital that we air them in order to enact much-needed change. So please, share them with a friend. Let's get into today's episode. I was trapped on the train. I was trapped in that carriage. I could have got up and walked away, but I I didn't like the idea of doing that. The main reason was I'm not going to run from racists. I haven't done that since I was seven, and I'm not going to do it today. Today, we're telling the story of what happened when a man was racially attacked in the middle of the day on a busy city train. We'll hear how he reacted, what the other passengers did, and ask, what would you do? Graham Campbell is a veteran campaigner and activist. My day job is I'm a Glasgow City Councillor. I was elected four years ago uh, and I was the first African-Caribbean councillor. Graham's dad is Jamaican and his mum is from Granada. Graham also has Scottish ancestry, but he was born in London and he's a Rastafarian. Oh, and he's also a Celtic football supporter. Safe to say, Graham has lots of overlapping identities. People wonder why I talk like this. And when they meet me, <laughs> they can't quite get the accent going with the, the face and the hair, uh, especially as I'm called Graham Campbell. They expect a white Scotsman, right? But I tell them, you know, I used, we grew up in school with three problems. I grew up in the house where I was speaking Patois. <laughs> I was speaking West Indian Patois. Uh, outside the house, in other kids, I had to learn Cockney. <laughs> And then in school, we were punished for speaking both of those dialects because we had to speak correct standard English. We had to read out aloud in this voice. I learned to read in this voice. Graham went to a multicultural school in Islington. There were racist incidents from time to time with kids in the estate, name-calling and fights. But mostly, Graham felt safe at school. The teachers were anti-racist liberals and the other kids came from lots of different backgrounds. I hung on to the idea that I have a right to express myself culturally, I have a right to be who I am, and I have a right to not take nonsense when it's unfair and unjust. And so that has been strongly ingrained in me from early days. My attitude was always, my dad told me how he had had to fight back. They protected themselves and Jamaicans got a big reputation for fighting back. And so I, I lived up to that. But as Graham grew up, he discovered that fighting back could mean different things. Like one time in 1977, when Graham was 10, he was visiting his friend's flat when a local woman screamed racist abuse at him. Later that week, the same woman organised a street party to celebrate the Queen's Jubilee, and she banned people of colour. Graham and his friend were turned away. We were told we couldn't, we weren't welcome, so we didn't, we didn't celebrate it. That same year, there was a reading competition at school. The prize was a silver jubilee coin. Graham was the best reader in his class. The prize would have been in the bag. Because I was so angry of how I was treated, I just refused to read. Refusing to take part in the competition, that was a small but important act of resistance. It was a a moment for me because it was just me expressing 
my anger and frustration at the racism in an outward way, you know, because most of the time you've absorbed stuff. You just took it on the chin and tried to get on with things anyway. Um, and that was probably the first time I publicly showed my distress at experiencing racism. Years later, Graham's ability to take a stand was really challenged. Last September, Graham stepped onto a train in Glasgow. It was a weekday afternoon during half term and the carriage was fairly quiet. Only a handful of other passengers. Then, a group of girls got on the train. They were around 14 or 15 and wearing lots of dark makeup. They sat down and they started talking loudly. Oh, look, look at that guy. And they're meaning me. And they're talking at me like I'm an inanimate object and I can't hear what they're saying. And this gets to the point where they decide they're going to take a photo of themselves with me. Graham knew the girls weren't being curious. Their tone was malicious and mocking. This was taking the piss out of you for sport in a public place. Uh, and I wasn't having it. And uh, I basically said to them, piss off. <laughs> You're not going to take photos and pictures of me. Go away. The girls immediately started shouting at Graham. They crowded around him, screaming, and pointing their fingers. It was a really appalling barrage of racist abuse, telling me to fuck up, to, to who the fuck are you, it's not even your country anyway, blah, 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 all of that stuff. Uh, N-words, curse words, B-words, um, and it was just horrible. Graham felt trapped in his seat, in the train carriage. His options were seriously limited. I could have got up and walked away, uh, I suppose, but I, I didn't like the idea of doing that. The main reason was I'm not going to run from racists. Of course, Graham is an elected official at this point. He's a city councillor. He has to act in a certain way. So I can't swear and be horrible to people. Uh, but I, I stood my ground and said, this is unacceptable behaviour. You cannot speak to people like that, especially not in a public place. And I managed to stay polite, stay calm, stay collected. This did not deter the girls. They were screaming louder at Graham, standing over him. Incredibly, one of them even got her phone out and started filming her own racist hate crime. They could have attacked me physically, they could have done, um, but they didn't. Uh, but I was stuck and I couldn't do anything about it. It was, it was really humiliating. There were around six other people in the carriage. Not a single person said or did anything. For three or four minutes, the girls continued hurling racist abuse at Graham. After what felt like a lifetime, a man and a woman in their 30s stood up. This couple, sitting three or four seats away, decided to get up and intervene. And they were telling them in no uncertain terms that their behaviour was racist and unacceptable. And that was good, that they made the point of calling them out publicly, in the public space that they had just been humiliating me in. They humiliated them by saying, what their behaviour was like and why it was unacceptable. And they also said, well, frankly, if you carry on talking like that to me, I won't feel afraid to wallop you. So that, that kind of did help me. It helped me out. Graham was so grateful to the couple for stepping in. He was worried the girls would have attacked him. They were calling friends of theirs to come to meet them. I think this, this group of people would have followed me out of the station. But the intervention had an impact on the girls. Oh, they stepped back and they, they did realise that they were in trouble. And in fact, they did respect this couple. And when they realised, ah, a Scottish white couple is telling me I'm wrong, 
then, then I must be wrong. You can see that in their faces. They weren't expecting anybody to step in. When somebody did, they backed right off. By this point, the train was beginning to slow down at the next station. As it happened, everyone was getting off at the same stop. Graham, the girls, and the couple. As they were leaving the train, Graham saw his opportunity to try and reason with the girls. I was then able to challenge them on what they were thinking. And I said to them, why are you wearing so much makeup to make yourselves look like black people if you hate black people? What's wrong with you? <laughs> why are you trying to look like us? Why are you trying to look tanned? You've only treated me like this because I'm a wee bit different colour to you. Uh, but I'm not stupid. And, you know, I'm a human and so are you. You learn something from this. Don't be like this. Outside the station, Graham waited for his bus. Surrounded by other people, taxi drivers, shoppers, he suddenly felt safer. But he was shaken. It made me question two things. One, that uh, whether I should actually go on, uh, on trains on my own anymore. But also, actually for the first time, it made me question about even being in, in, in Glasgow. Glasgow's my home. I've been there for 20 years. But if after being there that long as your hometown and thinking, all right, these people don't think you belong here. It's probably jolted my confidence a bit about that. I'm a 55-year-old man. I'm having to think about my personal safety and security on trains now. <laughs> I know, it's, it's just, you know, I didn't expect to be doing that. But then obviously for younger black people, that must be what they're experiencing. If they're having to go to school with kids like that, uh, then in many ways, my experience in the 1970s from 50 years ago is still very relevant to what's happening to kids now. The attack on the train made it clear to Graham that there's still a lot of work to do when it comes to racism. You hope that younger generations are more anti-racist than ones before, and I suppose the Black Lives Matter it was a good thing in the sense that it showed that there was mass public support, especially amongst younger people, against racism and institutionalised racism. But even on the interpersonal level, there's still a lot of progress to make because it's pretty clear that those girls' schooling did not prepare them today, in 21st century Scotland, for how do you behave in public and also how do you behave towards non-white people. Uh, it, it was astonishing. So it, it made me very disappointed on one level, but realising, right, I'm not going to let this pass. <laughs> I'm going to do something about this. Now Graham is able to fight back, and usually that means changing the system. As part of his job as a counsellor, Graham sits on the education committee. So one of the things I'm able to do is make the education committee's policy and reviewing of anti-racist practices in school. So we've been training our teachers in anti-racist behaviour and anti-racist practice. The committee is also looking at decolonising the school curriculum and is giving teachers the tools to understand what racist, passive-aggressive and microaggressive behaviour looks like. Take a second to think about this. Imagine you were on that train or on a bus, or at work, or any number of other places where racist abuse happens, what would you do? Would you speak up? Report it to the police? As Graham points out, if it doesn't feel safe to intervene, like the couple on the train did, you have a powerful tool in your pocket. Obviously in our day and age, we saw the importance of 
a bystander quietly filming something. Because if it wasn't for the bystanders quietly filming the police who killed George Floyd, George Floyd's killers would not have been brought to justice. The fact that they know that they're being watched by other people and it's being noticed, they're being witnessed, that's important. Uh, that does help to de-escalate situations. And, you know, it does, in most times, would make people adjust their behaviour. Being an active witness is crucial in tackling racism at every level of society. Don't be a bystander. Intervene. Because nearly always racist twits will back off <laughs> when they're confronted. Because they acted the way they did on the assumption that I wouldn't fight back. That was their first mistake. The second assumption they had that nobody on the train would bother to intervene. Those two things happen, they back off. And they soon learn that next time there's a black person on the train, they won't do that. When we think about how society has supposedly progressed over recent decades, it's always depressing to hear about recent experiences, such as Graham's. In some areas, such examples of overt racism may be less common than in the past, but it never seems to be too far away. There is an insidious sense that people from ethnic minorities exist for the wider population's amusement. Minorities are still often seen as exotic, or somehow other when compared to the white majority. Any attempt to combat that perception can very quickly be followed by aggressive racist abuse. As a minority, you're often exposed. That's why it's so important that passers-by take an active stance in supporting those who are victims of racial discrimination. Graham's story shows us that there are many ways to tackle racism, whether it's on a train, in schools, or wherever we come across it. Ask yourself, how will you take a stand? If you want to keep in touch with the show, and be the first to find out what's coming up next, go to our website, www.ourvoicespodcast.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The links are in the show notes. And if you haven't already, give us a quick follow in your favourite podcast app. See you for another incredible story next week.